Hello, and welcome back to Out on That Line. And no, your ears don't deceive you. It's not Jeff with the intro this time. Jeff is taking a little week off. As you know, we had that uh, horrible ice storm in Austin, and Jeff just needed a little time to breathe and step back. So uh, we've got a little treat, a little improvised treat for you this time, uh, bringing in a friend of the show, a friend of life. He is the Simon to my Garfunkel, the Seals to my Crofts, the Donald Fagan to my Walter Becker. And if you don't know that last reference, you'll probably get it by the end of this show. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Tanner. Thank you very much. What an intro. I feel so welcomed already. Thank you. Um, especially the, the last one, which again, if you don't get that, we will, you'll be indoctrinated by the end of this. You will be, it will be <laughs> elucidated for you. But yeah, no, thank you um, again, you know. Obviously, I wish the circumstances, the extenuating circumstances were better for my first appearance, but glad to uh, glad glad to step in as a, as a pinch hitter, a pinch potter, if you oh, will. Oh, well. And a uh, little inside baseball. I, I remember talking to Jeff, and he was like, hey, man, I'm just like having kind of a rough time at this moment. Like, what, we got to figure out what we're going to do with the pod. And I was like, well, let's just bring on a guest. <laughs> then Jeff just goes, well, yeah, let's bring on a guest, but like, what if it's the three of us? I'm like, that defeats the purpose of the week off, Jeff. Just take the time, and we'll do, we'll do the two man with our guest. He's just cashing in on his, his uh, the the PTO, the pod TO right now. That's right. You got a TCB with your PTO. <laughs> um, yeah. So I don't know. I figured with this one, you know, normally we listen to an album and we review it, but I was like, ah, I don't think Tanner and I are going to be able to stand up unless we did something like a Beach Boys album or something mm-hmm. we're really intimately familiar with. Not really sure how easily we're going to be able to stand up an album. So I think we're just going to do something different, and we're just going to kind of jam about music, I guess. It's so uh, ingrained, you know, and not just in our lives, but, um, and I've got, you know, all these points. I've, I took copious notes for you people <laughs> at home. Um, it's, uh, you know, it's something that binds us all together, our love of music, but also our love of, of, of similar music and our love of the same bands, the same songs, the same genres, uh, you know, and just th- things of that nature, I guess. Well, and we are a friend group that will be completely brought together by our mutual love for something. <laughs> or if one of us doesn't get it, one or more of us doesn't get it, it will tear us apart. Exactly. And like, I think specifically about how we ruined Purple Rain for Rory by serenading him with it. 24 times one very hungover morning uh yes and again that is the power of (laughs) a mutual (laughs) love of something and a mutual love of avant-garde comedy would you call it we were very much entertaining ourselves uh and i'll tell like that definitely didn't ruin that song for me i still listen to that song on pretty heavy rotation i mean if you could look at it on a chart like (laughs) our appreciation for the song goes up in direct correlation to how pissed off rory got and maybe that's where some of the love comes from. It's a little, a little insider love, you know. I really liked it when Prince played at the Super Bowl show, but my favorite performance <laughs> is actually the <laughs> three and a half hours straight, where it was performed uh, nonstop off of the speakers on Jeff's dad's <laughs> work computer. <laughs> <laughs> you can't beat it. Um. So yeah, I mean. It's interesting. So, like, we have a lot we could get into here. And I took a bunch of notes as well. Because I'm thinking specifically, like, not that Jeff's not a musician as well, but you're a multi-instrumentalist at this point. You taught yourself guitar. You've been playing drums for a while. You sing. So, like, there's there's kind of a lot of, there's a lot of splash in this, bro. Yeah, and I, like, 
it's interesting because I never really considered myself a musician. I, I don't know. And this, and this goes back to the days of, of playing punk rock in Jeff's basement. I mean, that's how I met Jeff was through mutual friend of the pod Rory. Um, you know, I, I mean, this is back in the day when texting cost five cents a text or whatever. Yeah. So I think he called me or something on my flip phone. Uh, and again, struggles that these, you know, these youngins now will never get. Yeah. Um, it was like my phone can I can upload MP3s to my flip phone, and it was like the clunkiest shit ever. But um, he was like, "Hey, like I'm gonna be playing music with this guy Jeff Greenmore at his house. Um, we need a drummer." And at that point, I had like shittily played drums. I'm a saxophonist by trade at that point in my life. Concert band, jazz band, marching band. Um, got a shitty drum set from a, a you know a mutual friend of the family and proceeded to beat the hell out of it. I remember my mom got me this symbol for my birthday in one year and like the symbol totally sucked. I didn't have the heart to tell her how shitty it was, but the symbol stand was a very nice one. I still have the symbol stand. That symbol, I believe I bent it inside out. That's how flimsy it was. And we turned it into like a fake China symbol. Um, but yeah. And so, and then, and then that started, I mean, we, we had become friends through theater Mm-hmm. Musical theater, to be specific. The American theater. Uh, the, uh, yes, we're just fans of the American theater. Uh, yeah, as I recall, uh, you were late to to the initial um, tryouts because uh, somebody jumped in front of the F train or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so, and again, like, you think back, like, I met Rory through a uh, band, yep. specifically middle school band. Went to the same middle school, you know. I met you through musical theater and through chorus in high school. Um, and then like Jeff is this kind of, you know, he didn't, he was a little bit older than us and he wasn't in like band. He was an athlete in high school. So then, you know, a few years later, meet Jeff. Um, and then what within, I don't know, two years we're writing punk songs in his basement. And I mean, punk songs recording. I wish that we had the technology that we do now because we had like a shitty computer microphone that we clipped on the inside of a lampshade on the other side of the room in the basement and um we didn't even have anything for the vocals to come through we had like a little 10 watt fender amp so you couldn't even hear the vocals on it i still have those recordings I listen to them from time to time um but yeah and that just kind of started the the cavalcade uh of music um and of loving music and appreciating music um, and definitely through becoming close friends with Jeff and I've got, you know, I've compiled a list basically of artists, fr- friends names and artists that they kind of introduced me to. Um, and that there, there's still strong ties there. Um, and you know, spoiler alert. Um, I think Jeff is the one with the longest list of bands. Oh, right. well, <laughs> yeah. so kind of makes sense. Yeah, because Jeff is the equivalent of uh, Matthew McConaughey's character in Dazed and Confused. He was the older guy hanging out with the high schoolers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Jeff, you show up to the pod or you get dunked on, okay? <laughs> um, I think he fed me some McConaughey lines the first couple times we hung out. And like I hadn't, I watched that movie for the first time like last year. So like I, like it was just all, I was like, Jeff definitely said this. Jeff definitely has said this to me. <laughs> Party at the Moon Tower. I don't doubt it. I be, don't doubt it. It'd that be a lot cooler up. if you did, man. I like I like word for word I can remember sitting in the back seat and him like <laughs> looking back and saying that word for word and being like, What the what? <laughs> Watch the leather, man. <laughs> Jeff, these seats are vinyl. <laughs> am, am I 
uh, are they getting Aerosmith tickets in that movie? Yeah. At the end? Yeah. And again, Aerosmith guys. Me and Jeff, Aerosmith guys. Yeah. I think Sweet Emotion is what's playing as they drive to Houston to get the tickets. It's good stuff. Yeah. It's good salad. I'm not a big Aerosmith guy, but I'm but like well-placed Aerosmith. Um, I there was uh, my aunt and uncle, they had a garage sale when I was younger, and they had all these fucking CDs. They had tons of CDs, and they said, "Hey, you can go through, take whatever CDs you want." And I didn't know any of the tracks off of like any of these CDs. One of them was Midnight Oil. Mm. Um, which became like a great hidden album, hidden gem for me. Um, but um, they had Billy Joel Stormfront, which now I've, I've listened to as an adult and been like, this album is amazing. As a kid, I was like, this doesn't have fucking Piano Man on it. <laughs> this sucks. But they had this one Aerosmith album, and it was Get a Grip. And there were a couple hits off it, Living on the Edge, the whole um, amazing crying Oh, Jeff's going to kill me for not knowing the other one. <laughs> but um, I listened to that CD, and I was like, this isn't the Aerosmith that I know. And then when Jeff and I became friends, it came up eventually, and he was like, yeah, man, you know, Get a Grip's a super underrated album. And I was just like, holy shit. <laughs> but yeah, lots of times just driving around in his old green teal what would, uh, Ford Focus. Okay, which one was that? Because there was Spike was one of the cars, wasn't it? Oh, I think that was Spike. Because then the, he got the the his dad had the black Ford Focus, which he then inherited when the green one after he drove it into the ground. <laughs> yeah, as is tradition. Um, but yeah, I think that we were listening, and I'm all over the place. Sorry, but I think we were listening to Bruce Springsteen's album Magic, like right when as it had come out, when we uh, struck a deer in Jeff's dad's car. Oh, um, but he, Jeff hit the brakes and like, so we hit the deer. There was no damage to the car. We got out of the car and the deer kind of like stood up and like, was like, gentlemen. <laughs> and then like hopped off into the woods seemingly unharmed. Maybe it died of internal injuries later. I don't know. Um, maybe it fed a pack of wolves. We're just doing our part for the ecosystem folks. But, uh, so yeah, there's a very vivid memory of Ford Foci in the, in the Jeff family. Yes. Well done with the plurality. <laughs> Expertly think, deployed. I think that's it. <laughs> well, so I'm I'm intrigued by this uh this list you have here of bands that people introduced you to. Let's let's hear a couple offers so, off here. So we'll just, we'll go right with Jeff's. He's at the top of the list here. And again, this is like it's introduction to, but it's also like um the the like I loved these bands. You know, I learned to love these bands in these people's company, let's say, you know. Mm. So right at the top of the list for Jeff, it's Meatloaf. Oh, yeah. Um, I knew, obviously, of some Meatloaf songs when I was younger. Paris by the Dashboard Light, Bad Out of Hell. Um, friend of the pod, Brandon, who sent you the last couple albums. Um, he burned me Bad Out of Hell on CD in, like, sixth grade, I want to say. Um, and uh, But, yeah, I had never heard anything off Bad Out of Hell 2 before. Mm. And uh, I remember there was one day, you know, um, Jeff picked me up. And he, I don't know how it happened. If it was already in the CD player, because he used to have this huge book of CDs, you know, like the 128 CD holder. And he would just say, hey, flip through and pick something out. Or on some days he'd say, hey, flip through and grab this specific CD. I want to listen to it. Um, <laughs> Power Man 5000. Yeah. <laughs> Not on my list. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> um, and uh, I remember like... I can't remember how it came up, but he was like, Meatloaf fucking rocks, man. And I was like, oh, I know, like, you know, Bad Out of Hell and stuff like that. He's like, you ever heard Bad Out of Hell too? And I was like, no. 
and he put that CD in. And I'll never forget it because it had the, the meatloaf was like written in red. And um, first track is I'd Do Anything for Love, but I won't do that. And I knew that from the VH1 show where they shit all over it. The worst yep. songs ever show, which is a bunch of Yo, fuck, it, off. fuck those guys. Uh, idiots. Um, but, uh, you know, second song, Life is a Lemon, I Want My Money Back. Um, I'm like, holy shit. Like that song fucking rocks. Third song, Rock and Roll Dreams Come Through. Became my favorite Meatloaf song in that moment and still to this day. Um, just tremendous. That whole album. Um, oh, I just, out of the frying pan of the fire. Like it's just it just doesn't stop. That album does not stop. And uh, Meatloaf came out Bad in Hell three in the summer of 07, I want to say yeah, that sounds Fall, right. Or uh, spring of 07. And then Jeff and I saw him at front row on tour in Boston, front row center. Um, I was working uh, as like a, a caterer in like a food truck at the college league baseball team, and I was getting paid cash under the table. Spoiler alert: I'm outing you, Gus's catering. <laughs> FBI, find What's the him. Statute IRS. Of limitations yeah, on that. yeah. Um, and Jeff's dad bought us these tickets on his credit card back when this new thing called StubHub had popped up. And I remember saving, you know, just taking money off the top, putting in an envelope in my sock drawer until I got back to the amount that I needed. Gave it to to Jeff's dad. We went down there, and that was like a life altering experience. I'd seen some concerts before. I saw Charlie Daniels Band and Thunder Road oh when I was a God. kid, um, and I'd seen some pop punk shows at Higher Ground and stuff like that. But like that was, that was holy, holy fuck. That that was amazing, and like we got picks from the guitar players. Jeff got a pick from Meatloaf, the one song he played guitar on. Wow. Um, and yeah, so like Meatloaf is kind of where it all begins and where it all kind of runs through for, for me and Jeff. And then I know that you obviously love Meatloaf a ton too. Meatloaf is such a berry thing. So like my exposure to Meatloaf was on my parents or my dad's family's from New Jersey. Mm-hmm. So anytime we would road trip down there, when you're like seven years old, five hours feels like a fucking eternity. So you got to do something. And my mom loved the Eagles. Sorry. So we listened to a lot of the Eagles. That must make it seem like a 10-hour drive. I just like driving through a barren desert with no water. Um, We listened to a lot of Tom Waits. My dad loved Tom Waits. He loved Jackson Brown. But he loved Meatloaf. He had Bad Outta Hell and Bad Outta Hell 2 on cassette. Mm -hmm. And Bad Outta Hell 2 was my shit. I would like envision these wild scenarios. I'd be in the back seat just like creating worlds in my head like... That's Jim Steinman, the music of Jim Steinman, and the fucking vocal talent of Meatloaf, of, of Michael Lee Aday. Yes. <laughs> but, like, it's unre- like this Wagnerian rock. No one's really done it since, and it's right there. Like, the closest thing, um, spoiler alert, Jeff and I are going to cover The Pretty Reckless at some point. I would say Taylor Momsen has kind of, like, run with a similar mantle, but even then, like, just like the sheer volume of Meatloaf's voice, and it's gone to complete shit now that he's old and a big MAGA guy. Yeah, <laughs> you do. You follow. You connect the dots. <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck! <laughs> Poor Meatloaf. What happened to our boy? Uh, and yeah, and and Bad Hell Three. That album was like totally different. It was like new metal and like thrashy, and like it still had some Steinman aspects to it. Yeah, for sure. And then like there was some stuff after that came out that like. I'm a meatloaf homer, so I'll still like some songs, like Elvis in Vegas. Hey, I like cool Teddy Bear had its moments, yeah. But like, 
you show that to somebody out of context and they're like, that music fucking sucks. And you're like, well, you have to love the good stuff to appreciate the better tracks off the <laughs> shitty albums. You have to love Paradise by the Dashboard Light in order to appreciate Los Angeles Loser. Yes, yeah. It's a terrible song. Horrible song. California isn't big enough. I can, <laughs> I can barely fit my dick in my pants. Oh, oh, oh. Bleep, 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 bleep. See, again, you can just tell the love for meatloaf just flowing through. Um, but yeah, then he went he went MAGA, and once you go MAGA, you don't come back. That's uh, the My Pillow guy. I haven't heard his debut album yet. Yeah, he's working on it. <laughs> Um, but I don't want to get too hung up on, so I'm just going to kind of burn through yeah, some now. Yeah, no, that's fine. Uh, so also, credit to Jeff, uh, Bruce Springsteen. Mm-hmm. Like, and you guys did a tremendous, tremendous job on, um, on, on Letter to You. Letter to You, right? It's not Letters to You, it's Letter yeah, to letter You. To okay, you. I always get fucked up. Um, get in my own head, I think, it, like, oh my god, what's it called? Um, but yeah, that, that album was a very big moment. And I think in all of our lives was that yeah. that that came out and it and it was so true to Springsteen like it was like, it was like being young and and Born to Run comes out obviously Born to Run I would say is a more like complete album more iconic but like it had that feeling you're like new Springsteen's coming out just imagine being a young Chris Christie that summer that that came out when he was the fucking captain of his little league team that letter will never fail to amuse the shit out of me <laughs> he's in a very deep deep state he was he, he, he was in a meditative state <laughs> when he fell when asleep, he fell asleep. Like MetLife or whatever. Yeah. and again and we've covered this on on a, on a different podcast episode but the fact that he like springsteen denounces him he immediately jumps into bed with john bon jovi as if to be like i still have cool music friends from new jersey yeah enjoy the crabs fucking <laughs> chris christie that's what happens when you get in bed with john bon yeah. jovi richie sambora quit get christie in there <laughs> um other bands, uh, Lucky Boys Confusion, mm. not as well known, I would say, in the mainstream, but like Jeff and a big connection there, throwing the game, that album, holy shit, that really changed, that was a big drumming influence album for me, definitely. Um, Death Cab for Cutie, uh, Jeff had this burned CD, all tracks out of order, different albums, so I never knew what song was what, I would just like remember certain parts of songs, um, and I'll never forget, I went up to a party at 6B Chase Lane. Oh, the legend. The, yeah, the legendary place. And, like, I was so fucking hungover the next morning. Like, I, th- they put my body through the fucking ringer that night. Um, and I was, like, ready, I was, like, ready to just, like, keel over in the passenger seat. And uh, we had the Death Cab CD in. And, like, Sound of Settling and uh, Soul Meets Body and, like, these very uplifting things. I was like, okay, you're going to make it. You're going to make it. Crooked Teeth, I think, was on there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, obviously, non-hungover Death Cab is also fantastic. Um, but, yeah, that's a big, that was a big, I, I don't think I had heard them before uh, that moment, wanting to, to die in the passenger seat. Coheed and Cambria, I knew mm-hmm. about when I was younger. Jeff, huge Coheed guy. So, we immediately bonded over that. Big Coheed. Uh, Blackberry Smoke. Jeff had them early, man. And I don't want to turn this into just like, you know, uh, bowing down at the altar of Jeff, although I'm sure he loves it. Yeah. Uh, oh, my God. He's he's got his hand down his pants. The right man's now. got a finger on the pulse of a lot of music that resonates with his friends. Like, he really does. Very true. And Blackberry Smoke, uh, that was tremendous. We saw them. He was... Um, he was flying to Florida, I think, the the next morning, 
And so he said, I'll buy all your drinks at the Blackberry Smoke Show, but you got to drive me to the airport, or I'll drive us to the airport at five in the morning or whatever, but you got to drive my car back to, you know, my dad's house, and that's where my car was. So we, you know, I parked there, we took his car up, saw the show. The Temperance Movement opened for Blackberry Smoke. Mm. I have them on this list as well. Another good uh, Jeff thing, also the sidekicks, didn't even write them down, but that's on here too. He, I, I used to be like, ah, fuck it, man. I don't want to see the opening acts that much. Like, let's just keep pre-gaming at this person's apartment or this person's house. And and Jeff was always like, we should see at least one of them because yeah, they could be sure. good. Temperance Movement, amazing band. Blackberry Smoke blew the doors off the place at higher ground. They didn't sell it out, I think, so they never like have come back to Vermont since then. I've seen them in Boston a bunch and, and in Maine, but... um. So they that was an incredible show, and I was, again, it's weird how, like, hanging out with Jeff the next morning, I'm really hungover. I drove to myself to McDonald's and then realized they didn't have the drive through the one in, in uh, South Burlington. There's no drive through oh, window at that McDonald's. God. So I had, like, slept myself in there at, like, 6.30 in the morning. I was like, four hash browns. <laughs> <laughs> Loaded. <laughs> yeah. Loaded. Um and then uh, the last one I have, Aerosmith's on here too, and I have Get a Grip in parentheses. We already covered that. And then System of a Down. Oh, yeah. That was a big, the first time I heard uh, Sweet Pea was in Jeff's car, and I was like, holy shit. Uh, so, yeah, that caps the, 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 I guess, the Jeff segment of, of my list here. Um, what I, other individuals do you have on the list for, like, influences? It, people? The people? Yeah, the I've people. got I've got Rory on here. Mm-hmm. I've got Mitch on here. Oh. Um, I have my lovely girlfriend, Anna, on here. Nice. I have friend of the pod, Tyler, on here. I have you on here. Oh. I have my mom on here. I have Emily Sullivan on here. I have Matt Callahan, my best friend from college, on here. And I have Jake Mocha on here. Damn. All right. Let's fucking boogie. This is good shit. Okay. So next up is Rory. Um, and again, this, this, the next band I'm going to say I I believe that it was Rory that kind of turned everyone on to it. I could be incorrect. There could be an addendum needed against me. Yep. That was like hearing them for the first time was insane. Like that blew my mind. And then I we got to see them with Rory at Higher Ground. And that's when I got to see the Riverboat Gamblers play. And they became one of my favorite bands ever too. Yep. So like that moment is very raw, very fresh. Um, I got Streetlight Manifesto on here mm-hmm. for for Rory. I've got a specific Led Zeppelin album on here, Led Zeppelin Two, because his dad had the cassette of it in his Mazda Miata convertible. We would drive around in the summer, and that we would just toss that tape in. And that's my favorite Led Zeppelin album, one of the best albums ever. Um, and I'm not the biggest like Zeppelin head, you know, right. but like that's just amazing. And then I have Defiance Ohio on here. Yeah, oh yeah. Uh, and then another one just came to head. Uh, came to my head. Um, uh, Johnny Hobo. Yep. I still listen to those. The, he's not on Spotify. I have the albums that I got from Rory on my fucking uh, iPod, and they're on my phone. The Apple Music thing now, but uh-huh. like I've got those babies saved. So like I still listen to those from time to time. Very brutally depressing. Very off-putting. Brilliant, brilliant music. Yeah, for sure. Rory, I would say too for like. Uh, he introduced me to Against Me. He's introduced me to a lot of punk and a lot of like cr- like crazy shit, like mm-hmm. Acacia Strain. But a big one for me is he got me into Jeff Rosenstock and Bomb the Music Industry, which is some of the most incredible fucking music. Um, arrogant Sons of Bitches. Yep. Same guy, right? Yep. 
Bomb the Music Industry, the first time he played them for me, I like fucking hated it. I so didn't get it. I was like, this is like lo-fi, and this is, like, what the fuck like, is it's, this? It's like clattering. It's yeah. like it's like so, like right, you know, it's right in your face. Like there's no subtlety to it. But then you listen back to it, and there is a subtlety to it. You can kind of peer over the noise gate, yeah. if you will. Um, yeah, tremendous. He's got a great sense for, I mean, for music in general. He's a great musician. Uh, but um, yeah, Too bad he's a fuck. <laughs> punk rock as well. <laughs> <laughs> that one that one popped me uh front of the pod mitch th- th- i mean i've only got a couple written down for mitch but one of them's the biggest one well, one of the biggest ones pink floyd yeah oh yeah i knew it like that um hearing learn learning to fly in his uh parents toyota highlander in high school or the year after no i think it was in high school that was wild. That was some wild shit. Again, you know Pink Floyd. You know the hits. You know money. You know time. Like again, comfortably numb. Yep. But and and um, growing up, like my my family did had kind of like a, a Pink Floyd aversion, maybe. Like mm-hmm. so, I didn't listen to it a lot in the house. But yeah, that blew my mind. Um, and Mitch and I are very lucky to see David Gilmore at Madison Square Garden, potentially his last show he ever played in the U.S. Wow. Um, it was one of those things where. I got the experience with Jeff of being like, we don't know if he's ever going to play again. You know, we're seeing, we're doing it. We're going to invest the money. We're going to invest the time. Um, and that has literally struck with me throughout the rest of my life is like, because um, Mitch saw Roger Waters at Fenway and I'm not going to lie, I'm not a Roger Waters guy. No, me I don't either. fucking like him. Although I, mean, I love animals. Again, but and this is what kills me is that the deal they struck, he can play animal stuff live. David Gilmore can't. I know that sucks. And it's like David Gilmore's guitar is animals. It's <laughs> so fucking integral to the DNA. Yeah. Um, which I and I didn't know that before Mitch and I saw David Gilmore. So I was like, maybe he's gonna play some animals, play some dogs. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Oh the fucking. Yeah. Exactly. The soaring. It's like a shooting star across the night sky. That guitar part. It is. It's like a train ripping in half. It's just yeah. the sound of metal like exploding. Fucking unreal. Uh, so again, huge credit, to, huge props to Mitch um, on the on the Pink Floyd stuff. And real quick, it's so yeah. funny that you say that you had your family had an aversion to them. Same thing with like my mom didn't give a shit, but my dad and like sorry dad to out you <laughs> for smoking pot one time when you were twenty. But he always tells me the stories like one and only time I ever smoked marijuana was when I was in college and everyone was listening to animals and that dog song came on. They talk about an old man dying of cancer and I had an existential crisis and ran out of the room and I have neither smoked pot nor listened to that album since. So no Floyd in my house growing up. Your dad was hashtag triggered. <laughs> Very much so. <laughs> A snowflake for the ages. Um, yeah, like, um, we'll get to, like, my mom, as I said, is on the list, uh, Huge music influence of mine, but there are certain bands that she like fucking hates and can't stand that I love. Like she hates Led Zeppelin, mm-hmm. um, she hates Pink Floyd. That's crazy. Caterwauling, wailing, you know, whatever, whatever you want. And her boyfriend Pete loves these two bands, so when we get together, him and I will like <laughs> talk about it. We can't listen to them. Um, I'll be like, hey man, like check this. Out. Like emailing him links. Hey, this day, this recording came out. Sky high. I got a bootleg, man. I got a bootleg for it. Um, but yeah, other other stuff from Mitch Alan Parsons project. Yeah, dude. Eye in the sky when he played yeah. that song for all of us. I yeah. remember being like, "Holy fuck, Mitch." And he was like trepidatious about it because, you know, he's a little he's coy. He's a little shy when it comes to stuff. I'm not going to lie, we're kind of overbearing when it comes to music. It's oh my God. you know what I mean? Like and and um he was like, "I got this song. Um 
I think you guys will like it. And he played it for, for you, me, and, and friend of the pod, Tyler. Um, the, because the three of us used to live together, me, Mitch, and Tyler. And um, what a tremendous became the anthem of that house, the anthem of the year for all of us, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and then to find out that Sirius, most famously used by the Chicago Bulls and the Michael Jordan era for their starting lineup song, that that's the first song on the album and it goes into Eye of the Sky. For me, that was like the ultimate mindfuck of like... It's been sitting there the whole time. Yeah. You know, it's directly connected to a huge part of, of our childhoods, the Michael Jordan starting lineup song. Yeah, oh man. I downloaded it off Kazaa on my on my Nana's computer. <laughs> I didn't type in Alan Parsons Project Serious. I typed in Chicago Bulls starting lineup song. Yeah. Like and and that's what it's still on my iPod as. Here's eighteen <laughs> files. Two of them are porn. Yeah, oh damn it. It's just Eminem saying uh, it's just Eminem doing the first part of Soldier the Soldier Chorus over and over again. That happened to me so many fucking times. Uh. Um also Mitch, uh Gorillas. Yep. Big Gorillas guy. Uh Deer Tick by default, because we saw them together at a festival, and we were both like Oh shit! Mm-hmm. And I think Jeff had—I think Jeff had shown us "Born on Flag Day," and Easy really uh, connected with both me and Mitch. So like we knew that like one song. Yeah. But then you walk out of that weekend, holy fuck! They were debuting songs off Volume One and Volume Two. So like they played "Jumpstart" and they played "Look How Clean I Am." They played um, "Sea of Clouds." So that boom. Okay, now my my hackles are up for Deer Tick, um, and uh, Primus. Okay. Uh, Sailing the Seas of Cheese. Yep. Because uh, like, I knew some Primus songs and stuff, but Mitch was like, Sailing the Seas of Cheese. That album's fucking amazing. And I was like, okay. Listen to it. And I was like, it is amazing musically. It's... Th- Primus is so fickle because like, if you don't kind of get that it's a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but they're also like the best musicians out yeah. there. Like it's, it's like if Rush didn't sing about trees... They sing about having like sex with with animals. Right. Like, it's, they may have been. I don't know. Some Neil Peart lyrics. A lot of subtext in Cygnus X One. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if people don't know what we're talking about, they're like, "What the <laughs> fuck is this?" I'm gonna crack a can of happy juice. Yeah, there you go. Let's hear it. <sighs> it's foaming. Oh, baby. Why don't you guys talk about Lady Gaga's? Dogs being kidnapped. All right, so who's next on this this grand list here? The, the list of grandeur. Yes. Um, well, there's one name that I mentioned that I didn't mention before, and this is a really weird thing. Andrew Benintendi is on this list, and it makes it harder because he just got traded by the Red Sox to the Royals a few weeks ago. But I was at a game at Fenway. I went to two games uh, two summers ago, so not le- COVID summer. No, no, no fans. Went to a game in April. And his walk-up song was just like a snippet of some country song, and I was like, "Ooh, this is this. I like this. This sounds good." Um, and then I went. And I was fortunate enough to go see another game later in the season, and I was like, "I wonder if it's going to have this, the same song." So you know, sure enough, he comes up. The song starts. So I'm sitting red dead the next time he comes up. I'm going to listen specifically to the lyrics so I can just Google the lyrics and see what happens. And it was Houston, We Got a Problem by Luke Combs. And I was like, okay. And I like, you know, I had heard the name Luke Combs, but I didn't listen to like his stuff or anything like that. I think I'd heard Hurricane, which is fine. It's a fine song. 
listened to Luke Combs. It was his only his first album was out at that time, and that shit was dope. Because I'm an old '90s country boy, <laughs> and that was like a nice hearkening back to to that. So Andrew Benintendi <laughs> makes the list for his. It says <laughs> Benintendi walk up song, Luke Combs. <laughs> Brilliant. Someone send this to him. And then I remember I was like I was like this Luke Combs guy, man. You should like check him out. Like I don't know if he's gonna be your jam or whatever, but like it. He immediately kind of connected with us. Here's the thing. If we're talking about the way people have influenced you, I would say Jeff, there have been singular artists, but he did more than anyone else in my life to rehabilitate country music. He kind of nudged me in the direction of like, hey man, it's not all, as we say on the show all the time, tailgates and tan lines. Mm -hmm. You have to look a little deeper for what is kind of considered outlaw at this point even though like their politics ostensibly make a ton of sense and should be mainstream it, they're like outlaw country because within that genre and this is familiar territory for listeners of this podcast <laughs> that we just shit on country music all the time despite the fact we love it um and i just yeah i always thought it was just like a dumb brainless low rent genre and he kind of showed me a better side of it so me prior to that would not have been I would have laughed in your face with the Luke Combs thing but I was like primed by that point in my life mm -hmm. so when you said check it out and plus I trust your taste so I was like take that to the bank and like I fell for it and it's absolutely radio like top 10 country mm -hmm. but it's great it's fun it's interesting what other country artists are talking about the Louvre yeah. in their songs you know what I mean well and also like I like the aspect of it where you know you listen to because I don't know which of his songs are like hits necessarily, right? Right. So I listen to the album, and I'm like, oh, like this song, I like this song, I like this song, I like that song. And it's like, okay, this one wasn't a single. This one was a single, and it went number one immediately. Like, it's just very, it's interesting to like see where it fits in in like the public kind of domain, you know? Like where the audiences really connect with it versus the ones that are like, oh, it's more like a deep cut. Yeah, well, you and I... The summer that you first got us into Luke Combs, mm -hmm. you and I had a summer with When It Rains It Pours. Oh my God! Holy that shit, was, dude! The lyrics of that song are so amazing. It's so like, and he again, the guy's a golfer. He sings about golf in that song, like that. Um, for those of you that 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 aren't like big golfers out there, and this could just be a Vermont thing too, but like playing music while you golf has become a big thing in the last couple of years. And I played in a in a, a Sunday league last year with friend of the pod Mitch, where they change up your team every week. You play with different guys every week, and the amount of country that was being played on people's speakers far outweighed any other mm -hmm. music. So like, golf and country kind of you know overlap there, and then you've got right in the middle of it, boom, Luke Combs singing about golf. Because like Florida Georgia Line isn't singing about golf, and if they are. I'm not fucking listening. So yeah, even if they had a song called We Love Golf, I would be like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm passing on this one. <laughs> we love golf and guys named Tanner. Sounds like it's for me, but I pass. <laughs> <laughs> All the same. Um, after the Benintendi is the Anna section. Nice. And um, this is probably one of the reasons why I kind of fell for this girl. that I worked with at Ben and Jerry's all these years ago. Um First band, the Decemberists. I knew it. Yeah, yep. first band. Um, the like sh she would make me. She burn me these CDs because she was still in college at UVM at the time. So she would burn me these CDs, and uh, one of the, like I think she burned me the first couple of Decemberist albums, uh, and that shit like really changed because I love the. 
I love musical theater. We've discussed that, like the the storytelling. And all of their songs are just like, you know, three and a half minute stories, basically four and a half minute stories. They did a whole rock opera called Hazards of Love. Yeah. Like they wrote one. Um, so that it's it's hard for me to define how important they are. We've seen them six or seven times together. Um, really hard to define. Uh, our song, if you would to to say that, would be the Crane Wife Three. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's that. It, um, we saw them at Boston Calling when they came back from their hiatus. She got me into them when they were on a hiatus. They had like essentially they didn't break up, but like they were like we're taking a step back. Um, and at Boston Calling Two, I think it was there was like one artist to be announced, and she was like, "What if it's the Decemberists?" And I was like, "It could be." any fucking band like why is it going to be the decemberists and then sure enough it fucking was the decemberists <laughs> and we we were super close to the stage when it happened the guy in front of me passed me a joint i didn't have any stuff with me he passed me a joint and i was like okay so positive memory association um and then there's a line in um in calamity song where Colin Malloy goes, um, you know, here we now, will we gather to conjure the rain down? And as they started playing that song, it started raining. So it was raining when he sang that line and he kind of like gestured to the crowd, will we gather to conjure the rain down? And like everybody went fucking nuts and like that was really cool. They played Philomena for the first time in public at that show. And they fucked it up. They were like, oh, I guess we got to work on that one more because like they had a new album that was going to come out later on. They were still working out some of the songs. Um so yeah, they're the ultimate. She got me a little keychain for uh, Valentine's Day this year. Um, it's like the, the Spotify scan code thing. It's like you take a picture on Spotify or whatever, and it plays yeah, Crane Wife Three. Boom. So it goes oh. with me everywhere now on my keys. That's pretty dope. Yeah. I also remember a story you guys told me. You got back from some concert, and you both were like, "Yeah, there was this one line, and Colin Malloy looked right at me when he sang it." I just remember the two of you were both like, "It was definitely to me, and not the other person." So I wasn't going to bring this up. <laughs> Sorry, we can cut that if you want. No, no, no. We're gonna keep it because I'm right. <laughs> because friend of the pod, Mitch was there. He was the third man. Oh my God. So, yeah, the beauty of the shows at the Shellroom Museum in Vermont, if you ever get a chance to, listeners, go. If one of your favorite, if you're in Vermont or whatever, one of your favorite bands is playing there, when the world gets back to normal. Everyone essentially just sits in lawn chairs. So the space right up by the stage, you can show up half an hour before the show and be front row. Like, it's there's no rhyme or reason to it. I don't know why we're so lucky in this regard. But been blessed to see the Decemberists there twice. I mean, Cake played there. Uh, Guster with the Vermont Symphony Orchestra. You and Jason I saw Mraz. the Avits there. Avits, yeah, yeah. And that was the rainy, mm-hmm. the rainy, rainy night. Right after Walter Becker died. And I was wasted drunk because I played in a golf tournament with my dad <laughs> earlier in that morning. We're also hammering wine that yeah. night. Yeah, <laughs> because I was like, I was like doing the math in my head. I was like the beautiful mind thing. I was like, well, it's eight dollars for a fiddlehead, <laughs> but the red wine. <laughs> um, but yeah, so there's you know there's a part in the song Oh Valencia. Um, and he, I know for a fact that it was me (laughs) and we made the eye contact and we sang the line to each other and Mitch reacted that it was me. (laughs) And then I can't quite remember how she brought it up and she's going to kill me for this. Uh, but she's like, yeah, it's like, I can't believe Colin sang that line to me. And I was like, yeah, it was me because I can't, I can't help myself. (laughs) <laughs> um, 
So then it almost like went full circle because the next time we saw them, she caught a drumstick from the drummer, John Moen, who I fucking love and adore and everything. So like it was almost like payback, like, hey, Colin was singing to Tanner. But Anna got the real thing that Tanner wanted all along was the drumstick from John Moen. You guys are even, (laughs) I would say. Yep. Even Stevens. It's the best. It's great. Oh, she's going to kill me. Uh, (laughs) other, Other bands on the list, The Killers. I got into them when I was in college. Matt Callahan showed me them, but like... One of the first things we bonded over working at Ben & Jerry's was, was the Killers. Um, and I had a sweet, sweet Subaru Forester that I blew the engine because I didn't change the oil. Uh, and I had Hot Fuss in the CD deck there just nonstop that summer. Other quick ones, Head in the Heart. We love them. We've seen them a bunch. Uh, again, these are all bands that, like she turned me on to. Like, it's, it's really a, a huge reason why I love her so much. Um, besides the other obvious things, she's amazing and yada yada yada. Uh, Tudor Cinema Club, mm-hmm. The Shins, mm-hmm. Guster, yep. Always by default because they opened for the Decemberists two nights in a row. We saw them in Boston. Frank Turner by default because he played Boston Calling mm-hmm. one of the years that we went to it, and I had never seen him before. And she immediately got me a Frank Turner record for Christmas that year. Um, Madela opened for the Head and the Heart at UVM at Springfest. Oh, we damn. saw them. We were on the rail at the show. Mark Daly comes out and he's got like that sunburst Les Paul, uh, Gibson Les Paul. Fend there, same uh, manufacturer. <laughs> uh, and he was wearing a Michael Jordan jersey. Nice. And I was like, okay, this guy kind of gets it. And they were playing these songs. I'd never heard of this band before. People in the crowd are going fucking bananas, singing along to every word. Uh, give me all your love international lover like I was like I felt like I was part of a, a moment there in time and then that, yeah I fucking we love Medela we've seen them a bunch yeah, together oh yeah. like th- that was like the the basis of like I was like this band fucking rocks we've spent New Year's Halloween yeah and New Year's St. Patty's Day got the poster up on the wall over yeah. there signed by almost everyone I don't think I got Jer Coons to sign it so oh. Jer if you're listening I ain't unframing it. I did the work. <laughs> Come over and sign the glass. Sign the glass and sign my ass. Uh, no, don't don't sign my ass. Um, yeah, Halloween. They did the the farewell show. Then the Halloween show. They came back. Yeah, yeah. From the, from the dead. Fuck. We've seen Medela a lot. Yeah. Med- I, Anna and I went and saw Medela on Maine. Another a year after I got drunk at the tournament with my dad and saw Avitz with you. Oh, yeah. I got drunk at the golf tournament with my dad and went and saw, <laughs> <laughs> went and saw Medela on Maine. Um, and then um, Fun. Mm-hmm. Everybody knew the hits of Fun, but we saw them together and she showed me their first album, Bleachers by default of the Fun, and lastly REM. She oh. gave me. Every REM album, basically, when we first started dating, back when it was like, bring your iPod over and plug it into my computer and get all my music from me. Um, I had no idea she was that into REM. Oh, yeah. I th- uh, her her older brother, Mike, big REM guy. I believe that's where she got it all from. Interesting. Yeah. And I leave off Iron Maiden uh, because I liked them before I started dating her. So mm-hmm. like, that was kind of like a nice kismet. Because um, that's kind of like a niche band to like love. You know, like... You're like, yeah, number of the beast, woo, rock on. It's like actually that song kind of, you know, compared to the rest of their songs, that song kind of fucking sucks. <laughs> they might go into the Hall of Fame this year. Yeah, they're up for it. I already voted for them. Nice. <laughs> Credentialed Big J journalist. Yes. Uh, the nominations came out and I cast my vote. So mo- indie stuff, you know, a lot yeah. of in- indie rock, indie acoustic rock. Yep. Um, 
Head in the Heart, really, just a really fucking great, just a great band. Yeah, I had a rocky introduction to The Shins. Our old friend Hayden tried to get me into them, mm-hmm. and just like picked bad songs at a bad time, and like, ugh, I just was like, The Shins suck dick. And then you got me back into them. So thank you through the transitive property to Anna. And the almost the beauty of it is is that we saw the the Shins played Boston Calling the year that Fun headlined. And I wasn't a big Shins guy per se before I saw them play live, but like seeing them live was dope. And they had just come out with Port of Moro, mm-hmm. so like that's like a a very refined album. Like, yeah, for very, sure. Very. I would say their first albums are good. They have their merits, but like you you hit um, Wincing the Night Away, Port of Moro, and then Heartworms, which we saw them tour on at the waterfront. Yeah amazing oh that was amazing axel's amazing gorgeous beautiful friend was with us i was just like how do i can't make words come out of my mouth <laughs> indie chicks love the shins man yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that'd be a great bumper sticker send indie. that girl a shin song <laughs> indie girls love shin songs <laughs> girl inform me <laughs> send that girl phantom limb ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh um, so yeah, I've got, I've got a couple more on here. I don't want to dominate with the, with the, you know, the web of music or anything, but, um, you know, there are three that I guess we should, we should really get to here. One of them is Tyler. Okay. Lived with him. I think I was 27 when we moved in together, maybe 26, turning 27. I don't know. Time is a flat circle. Um, I knew of the Beach Boys. I knew of the hits. I knew of Wouldn't It Be Nice. I knew of, you know, God only knows. I knew the hits. I knew the Beatles a lot growing up. My mom, big big Beatles fan, Abbey Road, um, but didn't really get a deep dive, you know, like knew the hits, right? Help was my favorite Beatles album before I met him. Mm-hmm. Being able to live across the hall from someone who is kind of discovering these bands um, gives you like a whole different lens on it. Like sitting in my room and hearing these songs coming through his doorway and being like, what the fuck is this? This sounds amazing. Oh, this is Wild Honey by the Beach Boys. Like, I was like, what the fuck? The, the Beach Boys made this? Holland by the Beach Boys. Mm-hmm. I was in my fucking room. I will, like, this, I will, till the day I die, I will not fucking forget this. In my room. I was like, this sounds, this song sounds fucking amazing. Go in, I'm like, what is this? He's like, it's the Beach Boys again. I'm like, how is this the same as Wild Honey? Like, it was the same band. And it was the Traitor. Oh, my God, dude. And to then, like, not only appreciate the song and appreciate the album, but to then look up, because I'm a constant Wikipedia guy. I hear something I like, I gotta find out what's the bass, blah, blah. When did they record it? Where did they record it? Who mixed it? Who engineered it? Blah, blah, blah. I'm boring myself. Um, Tom Petty and Elvis Costello, all over Holland. Tom Petty says the Traitor's potentially the best, like, Song, song ever. Because Carl Wilson just doesn't fucking stop that whole time. No, yeah. He just doesn't stop singing. So, like, that was, like, almost like a, you're meant to be here moment. Like, you're meant uh-huh. to be hearing this. Like, this is, these are the people that you respect so greatly. They love this. This inspired them way back when. Uh, so, the, the and, and I know that you had Beach Boys experience as well. I would like to open this up to to you same thing as you. It was like I knew the hits, um, Surfer Girl. I was like, hey, that's a good song, but you got too many songs about surfing. You got to maybe pick and choose a couple here. Um, so, yeah, I remember showing up to the the Meat Mansion, as yes. your abode was called. 443, or not 443, goddamn, 258? 
God, I don't even fucking know. I, don't, I certainly don't know. Um, <laughs> but I, uh, I remember showing up there, and again, it was that sound drifting down from the heavens, and I mounted the stairs to Tyler's room, and it was Darlin' off Wild Honey, and I'm like, mm. this song fucking rocks. Who is this? And when he said, the motherfucking Beach Boys, I damn near shit a chicken. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe, like you said, I can't believe that the songs off Holland, Wild Honey, Beach Boys Love You, which is a personal favorite of mine, um, Friends, I can't believe they all came from the same group. And Pet Sounds. And, and Pet Sounds, obviously, yeah. And, and like, you listen to Pet Sounds and like, it, it's hailed as like one of the best albums ever. I never got it. I, it never it never clicked with me. I was like, oh, okay, like. Wouldn't it be nice? Is an amazing song. Yeah, it's a hell of an opener. Yeah, it's just like summer, and love, just like encapsulated. You can't frown when that song's playing, mm-hmm. and if you are, you're extremely jaded, and probably smoking some Marlboro Reds, yeah, some cowboy killers. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, and then so I remember that that you guys kind of connected a lot on the on the Friends album. Yeah, and that kind of I kind of didn't get it at that time i was like oh, you know it's fine it's okay um and then like last year it really like that was clicked. very dennis driven right really? i think i feel like dennis wrote a lot of the material on friends i think mike love is unfortunately in the mix on it a lot <laughs> Doesn't mike love always finds his way to the mix <laughs> fucking prick and then also surfs up yeah yep another good one uh so yeah and and, and like there's something to be said about just being adjacent to someone who's experiencing it and like doing a deep dive because then that makes you think, I think I got this all wrong my first go of it. I never paid attention to the Beach Boys. I thought it was all fucking surf, blah, blah, blah. We we're in flannel shirts and we're surfing. And I think even back then I knew that Mike Love was an asshole, but that's notwithstanding. <laughs> and then the other one is the Beatles. Yep. I mean that like and again you you grow up you got to know you know the Beatles you know the hits you know Hey Jude you know like you know like Paul McCartney played the halftime show of the Super Bowl um Paul McCartney played that benefit show for New York City in 2012 when they had the big storm and like mm-hmm. the Who played it I think and like that opened up my eyes to some wings mm-hmm. um love take me down <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know some wings, huh? That's not wings, dude. I'm <laughs> uh, pretty sure it is. Pretty sure. Uh, pretty sure it is, man. Um, and then obviously off of the Beatles, uh, George Harrison, Wings, McCartney solo. Yep. But like that, you know. And I had these songs on my computer and my iPod the whole time. I had every Beatles and I had Revolver. You know, I had Rubber Soul. Who's your guy in the Beatles? It's so fucking impossible. I've been thinking about it so much for ever since. Sitting in Tyler's room because like his his room kind of became like the center. It was like a think tank. He yes. he 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 changed my life in so many ways with like the Jack Kerouac stuff. He had me read some and like um, his room was like a place of safety and a place of music and a place of discussion. My Beatles guy was always McCartney mm-hmm. when I was younger. Why why wouldn't it be? It's McCartney. In the last, I don't know couple of years um and especially since tyler got all things must pass on vinyl and i had only heard what is life uh my friend eric jackman uh, from college he 
big Harrison guy, his family. And this again, this is a weird connection. They're big Beatles, they're big Harrison, they're big Beach Boys guys. And like they, uh, I could have had these discussions with them, but I never got to. Right, yeah. He was a senior when I was a freshman. Um, What is life? He played me What is life when I was a freshman in college. And like that changed my life. I was like, this song's amazing. Never thought to dig deeper on Harrison. I think it's George Harrison. It's 100% George Harrison for me too. Like the songs he wrote with the Beatles and then all, just the fact that they didn't release all of these songs that he wrote and then he goes in the studio himself and says, I'm just going to assemble fucking, and get fucking Peter Frampton over here. Get fucking Clapton over here. The guy's a dink, but he's a good guitar yeah. player. Um, get get me Ringo. Get me my Ringo. <laughs> you know, get me my Jimmy Jimmy Keltner. Of get, me, get me Klaus Vorman, who the Beatles were friends with way back when they were kids. In Germany, when they were playing the clubs in Germany. Mm-hmm. Can you tell? I just watched Living in the Material World on HBO Max. <laughs> um, and then his Beatles songs, uh, Something. Um, Here Comes the Sun. Here Comes the Fucking Sun, yeah. The ultimate, my number one favorite Beatles song, While My Guitar Gently well, Weeps. Yes. That was really, for me, I remember like really consciously hearing that again as a result of, again, friendship with Tyler. And just locking into that song and being like, why the fuck... Did McCartney and Lennon not let George Harrison drive the fucking ship on more stuff? They and, actively blocked him from like contributing in a lot of cases. And not to shit talk Ringo, he did the same to him. Ringo ain't writing these songs, <laughs> you know. Like it, it's it's one thing if George Harrison is writing Octopus's Garden too, right? Um, but yeah, like, do, do you think that there was like a uh, were they afraid? I think maybe because like. Uh, there, Paul McCartney has a lot of misses. I mean, so does John yeah. Lennon. I mean, Maxwell's Silver Hammer, you look up the production of Abbey Road, and John Lennon was like, it's more of Paul's granny music, mm-hmm. which is true. It's a fucking stupid, nonsensical it's a song. Non- yep. That I enjoy. It like, I enjoy it. It's kind of an earworm, but it's not great. You know what I mean? So what could you have put in its place out of George's brain instead of that? You drop All Things Must Pass. In yeah. there, oh my god, dude! Like, and again, and again, like, there's a reason for it. Sure, as they say, he's the reason for the season. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there's a reason for that that it all you know shook out the way that it did. Yep, to um, give us that album. I yeah, mean. because you pluck all things must pass off that album and you drop it in a Beatles album. Does he even? The album that he releases after is going to be called something. What do you call different. it? Wawa? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this one's called Apple Scruff. <laughs> it's Johnny's birthday. <laughs> um, but yeah, and again, as we're recording this, George Harrison's birthday was uh, yesterday. Yesterday. <laughs> yes. I, uh, good. Well good, done, Tanner. Yeah. Um, but uh, so I listened to all the records that I have of his in order. And yeah, all things must pass. It's just like this. It's this mammoth monster. McCartney's the closest McCartney got band on the run. Maybe. Mm Hmm. I like I like Ram. It's not you know solo maca, but Mm -hmm. I like Ram. But yeah, I think band on the run is the closest he got to to touching that same level. And that's nine songs, ten songs, and it's amazing. It's a brilliant album. Like it doesn't let up, but. All Things Must Pass dwarfs it. Yeah. So I think uh, TLDR, I'm a George Harrison guy. Yeah, Harrison all the way. And I even like, um, if I needed someone, did he write that one too? Off the top of my head, I couldn't tell you. Ah, shit. Well, don't we look like a bunch of fucking idiots now? Well, 
let's just well, moving on. <laughs> Gloss over. Uh, finishing the Tyler Loop, Kid Cudi, and Mac Miller. Yeah. Yep. And the Mac Miller stuff, I didn't appreciate it when we lived together. Um, but uh, a couple of weeks ago, I think the record was on sale on like vinyl deals on Reddit. Which one? His first one, his debut album. It was like the last independent album to go number one or something like that. Blue something park. See, I only listened to it once through and it like blew my fucking mind. And he's like, I was texting him and he's like, this, I was like, it's because he's younger than us. So he has this memory of this album similar to what, how I feel about probably appetite for destruction in Uh that like it, like I was younger. I didn't stop listening to it. It would, the CD would start over again and I would just stop. Like I would just let it roll. Let me roll it. Let me roll it. Um, but yes, anyway, moving on. I'm going to do my, my I'm going to, uh, that's going to be terrible. I'm going to do my mom next. <laughs> uh, I want to do, I want to do my mom's list next and I want to end with your stuff. All right, cool. So this is a longer list from, from my mother. Um, Bee Gees, Saturday Night Fever soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bare Naked Ladies. She saw them at Burlington Memorial Auditorium on the stunt tour before the album went huge when they were still playing shitty small venues. Damn. Uh, Spin Doctors. Billy Joel. And that's kind of through my Nana, too. So that's like a double tier drip down. Elvis Costello. Mm-hmm. Uh, Journey. Van Halen. With one mm-hmm. exception. Friend of the pod, Brandon, burned his dad's copy of Diver Down on CD for me the same time that he burned Bad Out of Hell. That album changed my shit. That's still one of my favorite albums ever. Diver Down like is untouchable for me. Mm-hmm. I That's the first record I bought in Austin. I just simply love it. It's it's a it, and I like the term like it's a mood. You know, like it's very popular to say, but like that that record is like I feel like I'm in California. Yeah, I feel like it starts with the where the good times gone. Another Kinks cover, less popular cover than their first Kinks cover. Um, but anyway, Squeeze. Oh yeah, The Police. Yep, Queen, Matthew Sweet. And Garth Brooks, yeah, wow. That's a that's a murderer's row from Mama. Yeah, and I'm very grateful to say that I saw um, Costello, Steely Dan, Garth Brooks, and Squeeze, all uh, all with her. That's pretty special. Because my mom and I had together. Yeah, you and I <laughs> yeah. saw the 20th anniversary yeah. of uh, Pocketful of Kryptonite, baby. We were one of 40 people there. Yeah, really sad. Like, not that many people turned out. Like, just pay the 17 bucks just to hear Two Princes, you Dude, fucks. They were in the ballroom, and there was, like, <laughs> no yeah. one there. And you and I were just getting hit on mercilessly by old cougars. It's like, ah, this is my first show where I'm 21. I'm going to drink, ladies. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, please leave us alone. <laughs> and then, like, I think that's cool, because, like, the only real music my mom and I have in common is a very royalty-themed double whammy, Queen and Prince. Mm-hmm. Mm. But, like, Prince has been so... Like, I like Queen, but Prince is so huge to me. He was just such a fucking weirdo, and, like, before I really had a concept of sex and sexuality, it just, like, the the primal thing that he taps into with his music, you know, even when you're young, you don't necessarily know what's going on. You just know you don't have... You've never heard anything else like it. Because you're listening to Raffi at that point. Yeah. But, um, so, like, I'm really grateful that my mom turned me on to one of my biggest influences, but we never got to see, I mean, Freddie Mercury died in, what, 92? Yeah. 
So we never got to see Queen and we'll never get to see Prince because he's gone now too. So it's really cool that you and your mom got to do that. The Prince, uh, it goes back to like the David Gilmore thing with me and Mitch. It's like we've lost so many artists yeah. that we never got a chance to see. Um, I mean, Tom Petty. Mm-hmm. I had friends that were seeing him at TD Garden on his fi- what, be- what became his final tour. And I said, no thanks, thanks for the invite. Um, but I'll catch him next time. Oh, man. And then two months later, he was gone. It's, um, we're, we're not like, we're not big potatoes. You know what I mean? Like, we're, we're not like in the music scene, in the mainstream or whatever. I can't imagine how many other people like us out there experience that same thing. Or the people that maybe had tickets to a show of his that never had, like, it's, Because people are like, well, you can just keep listening. You know, you can still listen to his records and stuff. And it's like, you, no, you can. I never got to be in the same building as that guy. That's kind of what it, I never got to experience. Imagine going to church with Jesus. And that's not even to Tom Petty. It's just mm-hmm. to anyone you love. Yeah. Imagine being in the same room with them while they make all the music that has been so formative to you. It's uh, it's important to note that we grew up in a world where John Lennon was never alive. Yeah. Think about like things like this. Like, he died what eighty? Yeah. Yeah. Jesus, dude. So we, I, we never existed when John Lennon did. It's very broad, you know. It's a very big thing, and yeah. then he whittle it down to being like I was in the same room as David Gilmour with eighteen thousand other people, but eighteen thousand versus the whole. It's yeah. I'm getting off track here, <laughs> but I'm I'm getting emotional. Um, the and the police. They broke up. They got back together. 2007, 2008. I just bought meatloaf tickets. I can't afford fucking police tickets. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I didn't like them that much back then either. Like right. It was a later on. And that's another, like, we connected big time on the police. Oh, big time. You dude. and I. Um, so between us, you and I, the big one, there's two big ones. Warren Zevon. Mm. Everybody knows where Rules of London Three quarters of those people know lawyers, guns, and money. Nobody else really know. You know, there's a big drop off from there. I can't remember how it came up. I think maybe I listened. I can't even fucking remember, man. Like I remember texting you and being like, "Warren Zevon." I think it was Excitable Boy that I like finally like listened to, and you were like, "Dude, like just get ready." And I was like, "Okay." And then I listened to like fucking everything else of his, and I, that's all I listened to for months. Self-titled debut album, Excitable Boy, The Envoy, mm. just boom, 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 boom. And then I mixed in Bad Luck Streak at Dancing School. Boom, 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 boom. Um, Stand and then the Fire, Stand the, the fire. live yep. album, yep. fucking incredible. It's so apropos, too, because I tossed a random playlist that I made on earlier today. Um, I was like taking a shower, getting ready. I was like, I had written down all my notes. I was like formulating my thoughts. Tossed a random playlist on. Um and like the fourth song on it is G needs a shooter live and I remember yeah. how like we burned that song out. <laughs> oh man, we and like yeah, I don't know if you've listened to past episodes where yeah. I brought well, you it up. It. You're like, like yeah. I love it. He was doing it for me, but we just wrote that song yeah. to the ground. But it's been a while, and I heard it for the first time yep. again the other day, and I was like, God damn, there's a reason we fucking wrote this to hell. Yeah, like there's like a, I can't remember what song it was, but like that song on the playlist ended, and then. And I was just like, yeah, like in the shower, I was like, yes, oh, yes, yeah. so good, dude. And like, 
the live version of it, the whole Stand in the Fire album is the way Warren Zevon is meant to be heard. Produced in the studio, fucking great. But Warren Zevon was meant to be experienced live. Mm-hmm. So I, for that reason, that's probably my favorite Warren Zevon album, as maybe controversial as that is to say. No, it's 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 not because um, he didn't play a lot of the hits on that one, but it didn't fucking matter. They're all hits to us, baby. <laughs> <laughs> he does the part in Excitable Boy instead of any rub the pot roast all over his chest. He goes and he dumped the water all over his head, and he like takes one of his cups of water and just like dumps it on himself. And I'm like, God, he's fucking that's fucking brilliant. Ah. And he didn't have a guitar on, so he couldn't electrocute himself. Exactly, I mean, he's, he's, sitting, he's at the piano, <laughs> almost as if he knew. Uh, so it's Zevon. Excuse me, as I burp, it's David Bowie. I had a feeling. I knew Bowie. I loved Let's Dance. Roy and I used to listen to my record of just of uh, Let's Dance all the fucking time. But there was a moment in time where, at the Meat Mansion, you said, "I'm bringing over this record." And we're going to get in the right headspace. And we're going to listen to it. Me, you, and Tyler. And it was station to station. And we lied down. I had a big room at that house. And we all just lied down on my carpet. And we listened to that album. And that was amazing. It was... I don't know if the term visceral is like the right thing to say, but it was just... In my mind, I was like, oh, I hope he does this next. And it was like already happening. Like it was... It's just... It's just perfect. I got to be honest with you, that was like a nerve-wracking experience for me, too, because you talk about, like, earlier in the episode, you were like, we're very intense about music. And it is kind of in a weird way putting yourself out there and putting your tastes out there. So I remember bringing that and uh, Trout Mask Replica, which I was like, (laughs) I know no one's going (laughs) to like this, but they have to hear, like, the first two songs just to understand. But I remember with Station to Station, I was like, this album means a lot to me. And if they don't like it, I don't know what I'm going to do. I mean, I'll still love it and spin it all the time, but like, I was really nervous. I don't think Tyler liked it that much, but I like saw you and I saw the music like physically moving you, just like watching the way you were reacting to it physically. And I was like, okay, Tanner's in. Fame is off that album, correct? Or no, uh, that, no, fame. What's what's off that? What fame is off Young Americans. It's uh, station to station. Golden years. Gold. Okay, that's yeah. it. I never liked that song before. Yeah, me either. Really, never liked it. Context of that album, I was like, this. It all. It's like just like the last puzzle piece on a thousand piece jigsaw puzzle. So good. Because I heard it in the context of Best of Bowie. Because like that's the way that we consume music a lot when we were younger. It was like, oh, Queen's greatest hits. Bowie's greatest hits. Journey. Journey's greatest hits. Journey for me was a lot of through the greatest hits. Yeah. But like the the art of the album. Mm. And like that's something that I really got into and it's very snobby. I get called snobby a lot. But it's like I don't usually make playlists like I was talking about earlier. Like I had a little playlist. I I usually just listen to an album. Roll the album top to bottom. It's the way they wanted you to hear it. There's a reason to it. It's the reason for the season. Yeah, correct. Um, But yeah, that album is... I, I And TV15... Uh, I so that happened, and then I went down to a Bruins game with with family friends, and we were coming back from the game, and I put my earbuds in and I tossed on station to station to like fall asleep to, and I woke. I don't know if I was like half awake, but like TV one five was I could like like sense it, and I was like in like a half sleep thing, and now that song is like in my DNA. It like mm-hmm. entered my body at that point in time and it has not left yet through any orifices 
<laughs> well, good. Hold it in as long as you <laughs> okay. can. The the title track, Station to Station, for me became like my New York City anthem when I first moved there. And I was like heading to work at like five in the morning. I had a huge trek. So it's just like cold and miserable. And you just got a hoodie on. And in that song takes like two minutes and 45 seconds to get cooking. And then the first line, the return of the thin white duke throwing darts in lovers' eyes. And your day just begins the minute he opens his mouth. And it sets that precedent. And as you're like riding the train, I mean, station to station. but And like you can take that literally or a lot of people are like, Whoa, what about Stations of the Cross? And I'm like, David Bowie has said <laughs> that he was on so much cocaine making this album that he doesn't remember making it. And it's a direct connection to our love of Costello and like trust, like how he's like, yeah, I don't know what I meant by any of this. <laughs> and yeah. it's like, damn it, this is what I want. I don't give a fuck about what you were thinking about when you wrote Armed Forces. It's very apparent. It's all anti-war. Right. Tell me what you meant on trust. On potentially my favorite Costello album. So yeah. Um. I, well, to reciprocate, I two big ones for me. I was familiar with Elvis Costello because I remember talking to you when you lived back above the garage, mm-hmm. back at Pasolacqua's. I remember being like, yeah, Elvis Costello. My mom used to, you know, spend some of that. And I, it's okay. I remember saying that to you. And then I remember being like, yeah, I mean, that Allison song's pretty good. It was just in an episode of New Girl. And I just dug back in and I was like, oh, fuck me. And I remember you texting me and being like, dude. Have you been listening to any? Because we had a chance to see, I think, uh, wasn't he playing like Imperial Bedroom top to bottom? Yeah. And we passed it At the Shelburne Museum. So we would have been easily front row. Yep. To an album that I now adore. That at the time I was like, it's not very good in the grand scheme of his albums. You said it's not very good. I listened to it and I was like, this all sucks. Because I was like, where where aren't the drums? Like, you know, like you almost need to appreciate the Beatles again to appreciate that album because of all of the it's very con- yeah like um because who oh, damn it I can't think of the guy's name George Martin produced that album yeah the, yeah yeah so like it's very Beatle esque Baroque shall uh, we say uh, if it ain't Baroque don't fix it yeah. <laughs> but yeah I just remember like diving in and I got punched the clock on CD at Bull Moose used for like two dollars and i was like yeah it's the only costello cd they have in the used section what's two bucks gonna you know and then just being like whoa whoa holy shit with the horns and like that drags me right in that was the one that brought me back in man the horn like as a saxophone guy it's kind of like a dying instrument in terms of the mainstream but to hear how prominent it was in the 80s uh in the 70s obviously in the 60s um so then you go, okay, punch the clock. And then you go back and you're like, what other albums does he have? And they're all the different fucking genres. Yes. yes. They're never, he doesn't have two of the same albums. He doesn't. And like, yeah, some are, some are duds, some are swings and misses. But his output from My Aim is True to Blood and Chocolate mm-hmm. with the attractions. Yep. I mean, I personally cap it at Spike. Spike to me was the last like top to yes. Oh no, I was gonna say I was gonna say that after he does King of America and um Spike. Yeah. Oh, King of America. I mean, working with T Bone on fucking King of America, it doesn't get any better, better than, than this. That. Wow. 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 Uh, insider baseball for all you hobby guys out there. Oh, I'll be talking about this <laughs> on my other podcast tomorrow. <laughs> yes. Um, but uh, 
King of America was the turning point for yep. me, I think, really. Because, like, I listened to it, the opening song, Brilliant Mistake. I, again, we talk about Station to Station and how I was, like, sitting there. I was like, I was like oh, I hope he does this. And, like, with Brilliant Mistake, it it's a little, it's a little quicker paced. So, like, I couldn't get out in front of it. It was just all happening perfectly as I was, like, being like, I hope he, oh, he's doing it. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. And um, we got to see him at the Flynn in Burlington. Oh, baby. And he's got hundreds of fucking songs. Hundreds and hundreds of songs. So you go see Costello. And I saw him earlier that summer with my mom. It was Blondie and Costello. So they did like both did like hour and a half sets, and he he played some songs that I really wanted to hear. But he played you know some some like radio radio, uh you know I I could live without hearing that yeah, live because yeah. I like the deeper cuts you know like if he played Tokyo Storm Warning I would have yeah. shit my pants. Oh my god! Uh, <laughs> and he fucking played Brilliant Mistake at the Flynn, and that's I'll never forget that. The realization we had of like him playing that song, we sh- like shot out of our. Se- the people behind us laughed at us because yeah. of the gut reaction we had to that song. And this again is the greater issue with the Flynn. They don't let people stand unless everyone stands in Ugh. there. So I saw head in the heart there. The guy, the he was like he like motioned to the crowd and was like, "It's okay to stand." And everyone stood. Saw Michael McDonald there. Everybody sat. We had to go dance in the aisle, uh, on the sides. <laughs> So, like, the older the crowd, people aren't standing up. I understand there are older people at shows. Get closer seats. You got more money than me. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, brilliant mistake seeing that live. And, again, he's older. Yep. He's n- it wasn't as sharp, maybe, as it is on the album. He really only fucked up one song when we were there, and it was shot, shot with, with his, his own gun. gun. Yeah, he was, was so tough. flat yeah, on it was that tough. song. And it started, and I was like, ooh, they're doing it. Oh, they're doing it. Oh, I was white knuckling it. White knuckles uh, yeah. on black white and blue skin. I'm just sorry to make another inside reference, <laughs> but I was white knuckling that entire song. I'm like, oh, he's so off key. Oh, oh, and I think he knows it. He yeah. can't stop. And like, what if he just fucking stops the show? What if he just says, "Fuck it, I'm done." Like, you know what I mean? Like, you, he's kind of volatile as a live performer. Uh-huh. What if he just goes, "Fuck it, I'm," that's it. Good night, Burlington. Um. And there was the beauty of us getting there a little bit later after we started, <laughs> doing some business on the street corner uh, with each other, uh, and walking in to the place as he was playing Green Shirt. Yeah. The beauty of the live music is you remember where you were when X happened, when Y happened. Oh, my buddy was puking in the bathroom when Coheed was playing uh, <laughs> Favorite House Atlantic. Sorry, my buddy was going to go puke in the bathroom, and they were playing Favorite House Atlantic, so I followed him, and I was like, I've heard this song a bunch of times, it's okay. If they were playing 2112 and that happened, I'm sorry, Garrett, I'm not going to help you. You're on your You're own. You're on your own. But yeah, the cost, like, he's just, we talk about this this stuff with, like, the sticky note. You have the sticky note on like your wall about like you know the pe- like the artists yeah the influences I mean we haven't even talked about Neil Young <laughs> anybody got nine hours oh Jesus uh, <laughs> that's an anthology <laughs> yeah. we're gonna have to bust off at some point but like these and again George Harrison 
these individuals that have not only influenced artists below them that then we've come to love because Costello is a huge Beatles guy. Mm-hmm. If you haven't seen it, just Google Elvis Costello Penny Lane when he played in front of Paul McCartney and the Obamas. I don't care what your politics are. He played in front of them at the fucking White House. Oh, it's fucking He plays great. Penny Lane with McCartney's backing band featuring Abe Laboreal Jr. on drums. They have a guy from the Marine Band play the, the trumpet part, the piccolo trumpet part. He nailed it. So it's just like that, that moment for me, like... The U.S. president is honoring Paul McCartney at the White House. All these people come together (laughs) right now over me. Um, All these people come together to pay tribute to McCartney in this venue that they will probably never play music in again. Like, when did Costello go to the White House before that? When's he been been since then? Trump's a big Costello guy. Joe Biden's probably like, is he the big bopper? I thought Chantilly Lace died. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but like and like again trigger trigger warning Dave Grohl played at that yeah. <laughs> he played maybe I'm amazed oh no wait that was Kennedy Center honors never mind oh no I think he played both of them uh, I think I Dave really Grohl I think Dave Grohl was a double at the Kennedy Center McCartney oh, and the joy. White House McCartney <laughs> how did I get so lucky um yeah can you imagine Trump's White House reception it'd be like Ted Nugent in a cocksock Ted Nugent uh Smash Mouth uh. Uh, the my again the my pillow guy debuting his album. <laughs> He's just playing the theremin. This one's called "This Ain't Your Pillow." Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, three doors down. Are they MAGA guys too? I believe they play the inauguration, oh, and also the piano guys. The guys that do the dumb stuff with the piano. They're like, oh, we're gonna mess around on the piano. They played his inauguration. <laughs> Great. They don't even have a name. That's perfect. The piano guys. Get them with Chris the Hobby Guy together. Call us call them the guys. <laughs> wow. 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 Doesn't get any better than that. How are we looking on time over there? A little over. 119. Okay. Well, let's, 19. Uh, we didn't even get there. So I, appropriate. <laughs> because in talking to Jeff, his original idea was he wanted to have you on the show so that you and I could attempt to convert him to the cult of the smooth Mm -hmm. and a big influence within that is steely dan it's a very apt reference on your part with hey 19 Mm -hmm. you and i got into steely dan hard around the same time we'll save the origin story for when you come on the Mm -hmm. next time Mm -hmm. so let's consider this a promissory note you're coming back on the show we don't know when, but mm-hmm. soon. Sometime, yeah. Because we got to get through Baker and Pretty Reckless. Oh, I'm giving away our whole slate. You got to get some. You got some episodes coming up. We got episodes <laughs> got coming stuff, up. Yeah, you got some stuff. You Lana get Del Rey is gonna drop another hot deuce, and we're gonna have to review that. Um, but once we get that slate out of the way, you got to come back on, and then yeah, you and I are gonna compile. We're gonna have the time to compile our ultimate smooth playlist, and we're going to attempt to convert Jeff. And it's got to be, we talked about this, it's got to be, because I, we could pick our 10 favorite Steely Dan's smooth songs or whatever, but it's got to be, there's got to be a hook to hook Jeff. Yes. It can't just be Caves of Altamira 10 times over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is my selection. Right. Like it's, you know, we have to hone and craft, and I think we're going to be able to. Um We've got some time. We've also got the official uh, Yacht Rock playlist, mm-hmm. which definitely if we get stuck, like last night I was thinking about it, I'm like, oh, man, 
I should just take a gander, and it's just a treasure trove. The ones where they like rate, like it's like the top, you know, what a fool believes is number one. Yo, it yeah, goes down from the yeah. I mean, we're definitely gonna make him listen to what a fool believes. If you don't think we're gonna make him listen to that, that's what a fool believes. You are a fool, and you're believing that. So, way to be. <laughs> um. So yeah, I think maybe that's probably a good place to leave it. Um, yeah. I mean, I could talk to you for. I know I, I feel like I just looked down uh, and it was like okay we're at one minute <laughs> well, and like I looked at my notes and I'm like damn I wanted to talk about like our favorite musicals Tanner and I were in a band together we yeah. didn't get to that um, just so much stuff so obviously I mean this this went great so we're gonna have you on many more times I had a couple things I wanted to say do it real quick um, one is a quote from Jack Kerouac which Tyler gave me a print of that hangs above my record player, along with the Elvis Costello King of America album artwork that you did for me for Christmas this year. They, they, they live in harmony with each other. Musical term. Uh, the only truth is music. Jack Kerouac. Couldn't so there's that. And then lastly, um, I just had this thought earlier. Um, I love going looking for records. I'm a big record collector. And it goes for, it goes for music in general. You never know what's lurking behind the record you're looking at when you're flipping through. You just don't know. So when you're listening to an album on Spotify and you're like, ah, I don't know about this band, you never know what the next song's going to be. You never know that the clerk at the record store put the wrong fucking record in the wrong section. So you don't know if you're flipping through and you're like, oh, I'm in the G's, and Neil Young pops up. You just never know. That The, the chase, the chase of the music that you love is what keeps bringing us back. Because you're always looking for the next, I don't want to call it a high, but you're chasing the next thing, the next thing you love. It's the beauty of new music for me. Great digging, baby. You never know what's in that $2 bin at the back of Exile in Barry. You don't know what's the bottom of the Cosmic Country playlist on Spotify. Mm. I never listen to Spotify playlists that are made by them. Tyler sent that to us. You had mentioned that you'd been living in that playlist for a while. That shit's fucking blown my mind out of the back of my skull. That one's good. The Indigo country playlist, really good as well. So again, you just never know. And that's the beauty of music. Because who knows who's recording something in their garage in Texas right now? Who knows who's in the studio in California right now? Are there studios in Reykjavik, Iceland? I don't know. Maybe there will be next week. <laughs> Maybe they're finishing construction. <laughs> on hear this. <laughs> Get to it, Vikings! What the hell else you got to do? So to send us out, do you have, it can be an album, it can be an artist, do you have, what's like a current recommendation you can make, an earworm of yours? Ooh, wow. I listen to so much shit, it's almost like an issue. It is tough. I wouldn't um, know what to say. I will just say, uh, I know that Kings of Leon has a new album coming out this year. Oh. Um, I would consider, I would strongly urge people to go back and listen to Only by the Night. Sex on Fire is on that album. If you're tired of that song, just skip it because the best songs are the ones that weren't radio hits. I just listened to it again today. That album is immaculate. Yeah, and just skip Sex on Fire if you don't want to hear it because it's the weakest song on the whole album and it somehow made them international superstars. Couldn't tell you why. Yeah, fucking wild. <laughs> Absolutely fucking wild. Well, that's a good recommendation and that's a good place to leave it. So um, in honor of Jeff, I will be the one this time to say, until next time. Until next time.